So I met this governor. He wants the prison. He wants us gone. Dead. He wants us dead. For what we did to Woodbury. Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Karen. And this is the Walking Dead cast episode 97, creeping ever slowly towards number 100. I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> you feel 97? Yes. <laughs> um, I feel like we're, yeah, we've been doing this forever. I'm so tired of this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's still fun. Are you still yeah. having fun? I'm having, a, I'm having a better time than I ever have. So, oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it'll just keep getting better and better and better until our heads explode. <laughs> Too late. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. So I want to, st- um, our whole intro is going to be about contests today. Um, primarily, primarily because when we announced the winner of the zombie contest a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. zombie sound contest, I forgot to mention that Danny Miller, uh, donated the prize, which were three awesome posters of zombie Shane, zombie uh, Sophia, and Bicycle Girl. I didn't even mention that. Wow, I forgot so, that too. Yeah, so that's what the winner won, and uh, they were really cool. And you can see those at 20eyesco.com. That's 20eyesco.com. And uh, they have posters and T-shirts and all kinds of cool art and stuff like that. And the, the posters are all signed, so if you want a copy, you can get one. And I hope that the winner doesn't mind that his uh, posters got lost in the mail and somehow showed up on eBay. He he got them. He got them. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) Because they're worth a lot, aren't they? Uh, Yeah. Well, I don't know. They cost 45 bucks each. So I'm sure you could. They're limited edition Mm signs. So you could. Yeah. I wouldn't go selling them on eBay. Don't give people ideas. <laughs> um, and then secondly, uh, I was contacted since last episode by the guy who runs at Walking Dead News on Twitter, and he wanted to do a little partnership where they have weekly giveaways, and we announce the winner of their giveaway, so people have to download our podcast to hear it. So um, I thought, sure, well, let's try it out. And by the way, that's at Walking D Three AD News. Uh, like dead, but D three AD on Twitter, and they're giving away this week one at your choice of any of the six issue Walking Dead volumes that are out. I think there's seventeen of them, and what they had to do to win is guess the number of zombie kills in the episode, this week's episode before it happened. So this week's winner who correctly guessed six zombie kills is at same old Eddie. Oh, so, interesting. So this guy won. So you, Eddie, same old Eddie, you need to tweet to Walking Dead News to claim your prize. And thanks a lot for involving us in that. So he, he gets six, exactly? Well, you know, the um, trades are collected editions that have six issues of the comic in them each. 
So he'll get <laughs> one of those trades that includes six issues of the comic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, and you can pick whichever one he wants. Did Were you the one who counted the zombie kills? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. The guy from Walking Dead News did. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not like you have to count that high. Uh, yeah, there were a few. I mean, I'd say that's average for, for you know. For Walking Dead. Yeah, some episodes are a lot. Yeah, maybe even slightly above average. Because <laughs> <laughs> that uh, true. Yeah, they, they got a budget over there at AMC. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now that the contest is over, the zombie sound contest, I want to announce another contest. It is our pen is mightier than the sword contest. <laughs> um, so some of you longtime listeners may remember a couple of years ago when our friend and listener Maddie, who works at LiveScribe, donated this smart pen. Well, they've been working on their new smart pens and he donated two more. So um, one is like a regular edition. One is a pro. We're going to give the regular edition away now. And then the pro will be given away um, when we do our event in San Diego with uh, Eric and James of the Walker Stalkers. So for now, the pro edition or the regular edition um, we're going to, to win this, you submit your Michonne haiku. Oh, fantastic. And best Michonne haiku as voted on by you and me, Karen, to- totally <laughs> subjective. <laughs> wins. Oh, I love me some haiku. So, can we win? Can I, uh, can I enter? No. Damn. <laughs> you can enter, but you can't win. Um, <laughs> so this pen is, uh, it records everything you write and hear. And then you tap on your notes later and it replaces the audio from that moment in time, which is kind of cool. This new version, uh, it, it's Wi-Fi enabled. So your notes are wirelessly sent and securely stored in Evernote, which is like a free application. Um, and your audio is sent there too. And so then you can quickly search it and access it from anywhere. So it sounds pretty cool. So again, if you want to win this super cool piece of technology, um, by spring, I decided the first day of spring, which is coming up quick here, Wednesday, March 20th, uh, email your Michonne haiku to brains at walking deadcast.com. And, uh, what else was I going to say about that? Yeah, that's it. Oh, and if, oh, oh, oh. And then the other thing that you have to do to win, I forgot this part is sign up for our email list. So go to, so there's a two steps, go to walkingdeadcast.com and sign up where it says, join us or die. <laughs> <laughs> so no pressure there. And then, and then send your Michonne haiku to brains at walkingdeadcast.com. If you already signed up with us, just send your, um, your, your, your haiku. And that's the first time I'm I'm focusing on signing up for our email list. By the way, we don't send out that many emails so far in our three in our about three years of podcasting. We've sent zero, so that's zero per year. So we might kick it up to like one a year, maybe two a year. That's all. Maybe one. Maybe one a month. (laughs) Okay. That's all the contest stuff for today. Enough stuff, man. All right, let's move along. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top 5 in 5, 4, 3, 2. Okay, it's Deadcast Top 5. This week it's Top 5 Highlights for Season 3, Episode 13, Arrow on the Doorpost, which I have no reason, no idea why it's called that. But before we get started, and Karen tells us why it's called that, I want to introduce a friend of ours, 
Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi. You might have, if you were paying real careful attention, you probably heard me mention Lisa a couple times because sometimes I go over there and watch Walking Dead at her place since I don't have cable and it's fun to watch it with friends. And we had that one party where we got drunk and, and ate brains. Yeah, we were all a little loopy at that <laughs> yeah. one. That was a, a zombie brain jello shots. Yeah. Jello mold, actually. We still have that. Too. Go back to, I think it's episode 37, Surfically Pober, if you want to hear that. Highly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Or you can not. skip that. <laughs> yeah. I might take it down. Um, so, Karen, why is it called that? Well, I don't know why it's called that, but I do know a couple references because I was curious about that too. And I looked, you know, did a little search on the internet and found a Bob Dylan song by, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, they found a Bob Dylan song and it's called Blind Willie McTell. And it has, uh, it has it in the lyrics. Seen the arrow on the doorpost saying, this land is condemned all the way from New Orleans to Jerusalem. Oh, that makes sense because they're all talking about like territory, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, the land is condemned and... Uh, also, it's not the first time they would reference a Bob Dylan song or have a Bob That's Dylan right, song yeah. in the show. At the, the end show. of season one finale, they had. Right. When they were leaving the CDC. Remember that? And it was exploding. What it was called. So what did you think of this episode, Lisa? I liked it. You I did? thought the pace was very different. In general, it just felt like a very different episode than a lot of the episodes in the past. Mm-hmm. And I liked how they set up a lot of the conversations that were going on between the two characters. And that's one of my top five things. But Okay. In uh, general, you liked it. Yeah, I did. What would you give it out of five? Oh, I would go four. That's high praise. Yeah. I, what do you think, Karen? I gave it a 4.327. You really liked it. I did. A four, <laughs> 4.327. I, yeah, that's you know, pretty good. I thought it was good, but um, I thought it was really good, actually. Good song. And it had some moments where I was like, oh, yeah, that was that was so you know funny or had a lot of tension. Very good. But it felt like it, they stretched out the meeting between the governor and Rick over a whole episode. It, that felt a little like tap dancing or something, you know, like maybe it should have been just half of an episode. I don't know, you know, and I'm kind of on the fence about that, but it reminded me of when I was a teenager and I used to watch soap operas and every episode (laughs) had like three or four groups of two people. And that each of those groups would have a conversation that lasted the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) They'd make it stretch out because they had to do five hours a week and they had no money to work with. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel that way. You didn't I, know? I mean, it was I good. It. Yeah. Well, just a couple, like, especially when the governor brought out his whiskey. I brought whiskey. I I'm like, brought come whiskey. on. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of drinking game? <laughs> well, it did. It kind of turned into this, like, awkward drinking game with your crazy uncle. And you couldn't get away from it. Like, I'm not allowed to leave this conversation. This sucks. Every time someone has a missing limb or body part drink. <laughs> um, okay. So I gave it 3.5 gaps, which is not bad. Um, let's go ahead and do our top five. You, why don't you start? Okay. We're supposed to go five, five to four, one, three, right? Five, four, three, two, one, yeah. Okay. I actually had a hard time coming up with five. Um, so this one is just kind of when I came up with that. It just, near the end of it, uh, near the end of the episode, just the theme crisis of conscience popped in my head. And it was specifically having to do with both Milton and Rick. Mm-hmm. Like Milton's having this moment when they're back in Woodbury and, 
he's talking to the governor and he's just like, wait, we're going to attack anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like that final conversation. And Milton's just kind of giving him this look of, well, even if you get what you want, you're still going to attack him. And then like Rick has the same similar moment where he's trying to have, when he's talking to Herschel about Michonne and he basically (laughs) tells Herschel's like, I need you to talk me out of this right Mm -hmm. now. It's like, they know it's wrong, but they don't know what to do about it. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't think about that. And it seems like, it, it, this is a pattern this season, Karen, like every episode has uh, a, a parallel between the governor and Rick and you and I often miss it and somebody else brings it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's great. Totally. Um, and I, what that also reminds me of is it's it's starting to seem a little ridiculous that Milton is surprised by any of this. <laughs> I think it's convenient. He's well, ignoring it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just becoming more challenging to ignore it completely. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't they didn't include him on some of their uh, worse excursions, like when they killed all the military guys, they ambushed them. I don't think Milton was there. He wasn't. So they they have kept him kind of in the lab. Maybe they just sort of maybe they just kind of kept him in the lab. How about when when he told Andrea or told him not to tell Andrea that he was going to attack the prison? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) There's a couple things, you know. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Karen, you want to go next? Okay, so I'm going to start with my zombie kill of the week. And I thought in honor of baseball season (laughs) starting up and, you know, I'm going to spring training in another week or so. And I thought, you know, baseball, who doesn't love America's sport? Well, I'll tell you who loves America's sport. That would be Martinez. It would be his killing the zombie with the baseball bat to the head against the wall and it going uh, boom. It, it uh, exploded nicely, uh, just mm. sort of like a water balloon. It was delightful. And that was my zombie kill of the week. But the runner up is Daryl's knife throw to the zombie head. I totally agree. In fact, when he pulled out that baseball bat, I was like, oh, what's this going to look like? And it was probably about as satisfying as it could have been. <laughs> Exactly. And I thought it was more like a watermelon. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, who's that? Who's the comedian with the watermelon? Oh, yeah. Gallagher. Gallagher would be awesome in the zombie apocalypse. I love that man. He would totally survive the apocalypse. (laughs) He should get some zombie heads. He would be a great guest star. (laughs) Kind of like the zombie land um, cameo. (laughs) See him running around in a field of zombies. (laughs) Okay. My okay, can I go now? Yes. My number five. Um, I kind of touched on it already, but just extending the negotiation talks through for the whole episode. I just halfway through, I started to feel like okay, I'm ready for something else to happen here. Um, and it made me kind of wonder. You know, we've heard through some of these machinations about Mazzara being uh, leaving the show that people were saying AMC felt like they didn't have enough story for the back half of this season. And um, I bet you this episode was part of that. Although I do have to say, I agree. I was pretty entertained the whole way through. So it's not a huge complaint, but it just felt like if it, it, I would have been happier if it would have ended halfway and then the second half would have had more story to it. So I was wondering if it was strange to anybody else that they went from the scene where they go back to Rick's hometown to all of a sudden he's in a room with the governor. Like I didn't feel like there yeah. was any like plot transition. Mm-hmm. It's like they just skipped a couple days and all of a sudden they're in a room together. It's like, wait, wait, did that actually just happen? Was there any lead mm-hmm. up to that whatsoever? Yeah. You know, I kind of liked that. It was like in medias res kind of thing. And, um, 
I liked it especially because we're, we're like, wait, were we supposed to know how this got set up or we don't know? But then later on, the governor looked at or Rick looked at Andrea after the governor said that he was just there to get Rick's surrender. He, Rick looked at Andrea and said, you said that he was here to negotiate. So we knew just from that that Andrea probably set it up. And I'm like, OK, that's cool. We didn't necessarily need to see that. I mean, we could have and it would have been good, but. It could have been the first five minutes of the episode yeah. where a carrier pigeon shows up with a little letter from Andrea <laughs> saying, hey, the governor wants to meet with you. Peace, peace. <laughs> or a crow like in Game of Thrones. There you go. <laughs> okay, Lisa, number four. All right, my number four. This is actually kind of um, as a dedication to Karen. It was the sex scene. Aww, and how so they sweet. are the worst lookouts in the history of the planet. God. Wait, why is that? Because oh well, so are there- <laughs> Karen and sex go together because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I thought it was funny. It's like I'm really that. glad that they reconciled, like Maggie and Glenn. Yeah, me too. I'm glad they're happy again because I was getting a little old. But she's there. She's relieving him of his watching duty, and then they decide to like go and lock themselves in a garage door behind a garage and door abandon and have the sex. watching duty. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm like, you guys are the worst lookouts ever. Mm-hmm. Like someone could totally roll up and just shoot the whole place. That crap right now. <laughs> Can I cuss? Yes. You can. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I almost You're said something. Right. I wasn't sure if I could say that, so I did. Man, all right. <laughs> Karen, it's Lisa's turn. Sorry. Look at me talking over her electronically. Um, um, that was pretty much it. Just yeah, yeah. Awesome sex scene, but terrible lookouts. And and I was so worried. I was like, oh my god, don't be happy. Stop it. Stop oh it. yeah, yeah, me. yeah. You're gonna die. Every time they're happy, <laughs> don't do it, man. Something bad happens. But luckily, nothing bad happened. I mean, Not maybe. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I like the sex scene. Um, I was jealous, for one thing, of Stephen Young. It's like, bastard. Um, <laughs> Downtown Jenny. totally reminded me of the comic. Uh, she knows. She's okay. She knows I'm human. <laughs> it totally reminded me of the comic because they get busy in the prison a lot in the comic. The scene was, like, kind of cut. It, like, had quick cuts. It reminded me of, like, a Batman fight scene in The Dark Knight where you can't quite see what's happening, but you know it's exciting. Um, but then when they got totally naked and they really started going for it, I almost felt I started feeling uncomfortable. And um, I, th- I I thought about it after. And I think it's because I know them. So I feel like I know them like they're two friends of mine now. And it'd be like if I was in a room and two friends of mine just stripped down and started going at it. I'd be like, Can walking you on your roommate. Go in another room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, li- I'm glad you guys are over that tension you had. But. Nice, but you know, I don't need get a to room. see that. <laughs> but get I'm glad room. too. I mean, it was good to have the tension between them for dramatic tension, and then it made sense and everything. But I'm glad they resolved it because this show is so tense, and uh, it's nice to have a little. Well, like there's certain things that you're supposed to be able to rely sometimes. on this show, and I think from a character level, the commitment between Maggie and Glenn is one of those things that's just always going to be there. Yeah, and, like, there's you need nothing something. that's going to come between them, mm-hmm. and so I think it's just it's a very reliable hold on for the show and for the viewers. And so mm-hmm. to have them mad at each other for too long, we just really, yeah, they've got to be together. Daryl has to be a badass. There's just a few things like that. Right. Like Rick can go insane and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Where are we here? For my Karen? turn, I think mm-hmm. uh, the end, uh, the end with the music back at Woodbury. So they have the nice music playing. They're back at Woodbury you can see both camps getting back. Uh, Rick's camp is getting back back to the prison. The governor, Milton, they're getting back to Woodbury and, and Andrea too. And I just like the moment with the governor and Milton. And 
Milton kind of calling the governor on, you know, what's your plan? Uh, and the governor is like, hey, you know, uh, they're never going to see it coming. And and it's sort of the best way to avoid a slaughter. And Milton's saying, um, that is a slaughter. <laughs> and governor saying, well, you know, it depends on what side you're on. We'll have to eliminate Rick sooner or later. And I just like that Milton, you could tell he's getting agitated. He's not liking what he sees. And uh, he's going to man up and turn against the governor. Yay. You think so? I do. And he's going to die in the process. That's what I think. Maybe. I hope not. I like I like Milton now. Yeah. I, I, I do too. I wish uh, Milton is creepy. That's for sure. He's always mm-hmm. been creepy. When when he first came, when we first met him, I thought he was creepy in a way that was potentially disrespectful of people where he his science mattered more than people's comfort. Now I just see that he's just not socially, you know, very good socially, but he's a good hearted guy. And I thought he was way more interesting when I thought he was he was actually a creep. So I like his character. I like him as a person, but I wish he'd been a creepy creep. He's he's evolved quite a bit over the course think, of the season, too, because yeah. like I agree with what you were saying about in the beginning of the season. It was just like the man in his science and he was so focused on just this one project or this one project he was researching, like the old man dying and seeing what would happen. And it just seemed like now that that's failed and he yeah. almost got himself killed because of it, he's just kind of had this awakening experience where it's just like, okay, not everything is simple. So I like, that's not obviously how things are. So mm. I need to figure this out and like kind of redefine who he is. Yeah. yeah. And kind of just start looking around at the bigger, at, at least things that are going around on around him when he wasn't doing that before. Cause he didn't need to. Yeah. Yep. Okay. My turn. Mm-hmm. My number four is just the meeting between the governor and Rick in general. I thought it was very cool to see them sit down together <clears throat> and they played off of each other really well. And it was fun to watch. Um, a few just kind of random points about the meeting. When the governor stepped out of the darkness, I my thought was, OK, shoot him, <laughs> shoot him right <laughs> yeah, now exactly. or take him prisoner. Like, why not do that? I don't yeah. get it. Um, I like uh I already mentioned this, but how I actually liked how we're not sure at first how the meeting got set up. It's like made it kind of mysterious. And then they, they kind of clued us in later. So that was good. Um, I liked that the governor and Rick had been talking to their people about each other. And it came out during this meeting. Like Rick knows that about the aquarium heads and he knows about what the governor did to Maggie and the governor knows about Rick's about Lori and, uh, Shane or, or yeah about Lori and Shane right that's I guess Andrea and the governor had some pillow talk <laughs> <laughs> and Rick knows that uh, or he knows that you know Lori died and that T-Dog died in the prison so uh, I thought that was interesting I was trying yeah. to think what the governor wants because he told Rick that he could have killed all of them when he attacked the prison I think that must have been a lie because based on what he told Milton he would have already done that um, you know, he says, let's bring, when they bring Michonne, just kill all of them and take Michonne alive. So, and it also seems like though, that he could have had his people open fire on Daryl and Rick during this episode, during their meeting, but then he mm-hmm. wouldn't have gotten Michonne. So I guess what he wants is to kill everyone except for Michonne. I think that's what he's, Who he's just going to kill slower. Yes. And torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was, so this was actually my number two, mm-hmm. the, that first confrontation between the two of them. And 
it was basically a pissing contest. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why the governor agreed to go there. He didn't even give a crap about negotiations. He's like, I want to see who this guy is. I want to see who this mm. other leader is who like, it's that, that playing off of counterparts. Like, mm. who is this other person who's basically in the same role as me and just intimidating just them? Just for the sport of it almost. Yeah. I mean, mm. it's funny you were saying like your first thought when you they had that first scene where the governor walks in out of the darkness and like it kind of my first thought was because there wasn't any transition to this, any lead up in prior episodes. It made me think, well, is this a dream? Yeah, or is this it like seemed kind of dreamy. The Empire Strikes Back, Luke going into the cave and Darth Vader walking out kind of thing. Like that actually occurred to me. I was like, oh, it's Darth Vader coming from the darkness. <laughs> and then the governor, he slices the governor's face off and it's Carl's face underneath. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little Carl. And I, I did like how the dialogue kind of transitioned into this like. It was just some really fun dialogue at it's that like point. like playground. Yeah, because like the governor's doing his whole charming act. And then like you got the old West thing of the gun tied behind the table mm-hmm. that never gets shown again, which kind of annoyed me. Like he just left it there. And then... Listeners were talking about that saying, you know, like Chekhov's rule that if you show a gun in the beginning, it, it has to fire at the end. And so oh, that annoyed, yeah. annoyed people. Maybe when they go back, if if they go back... Yeah, maybe the not not really transfer of Michonne. I don't think they're going to transfer her over. No, maybe he'll pull it out then. Maybe. And I did like how Rick compared the governor to the town drunk who ripped down your fence. (laughs) That was great. Yeah, he said, "You're the town drunk who knocked over my fence and ripped up my yard. Nothing more." (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't really think it was accurate, but it still was a great line. Yeah, totally. Yeah. When Rick sat down at the table with the governor, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Inglorious Bastards, but I yes. was like, no, don't sit down at the table with him. He's got a gun under there. <laughs> He's got to pull out a gun. Yeah. I actually thought back to Tombstone where, um, Wy- or not Wyatt Earp, um, Doc Holliday always had the gun under the poker table when he was dealing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And apparently uh, it's that's a whole big Hollywood trope, you know, uh, in um, – uh, uh, rats. I can't remember what it is, but yeah, it's been used in lots and lots of movies. And uh, I was like, "Don't sit at that table." God. Do you think if they weren't going to use the gun, they shouldn't have bothered showing it? No, I'm glad they showed it. Yeah, me it too. Made, it, it made it made it for Ten, me more, more tense. tense. Yeah. It also kind of makes me wonder now. Just like on reflection, it makes me wonder if it shows a weakness of the governor. Because like the idea of like I'm coming to see my counterpart. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect. I'm going in to intimidate him, but what if he's scarier than I really think? I need a backup plan. So if Rick were to pull a gun on him, he's got his gun I there waiting. I think it's just smart to have that there. You know, it would be dumb not to, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. We're on number three, right? I think. Is it my turn? I think I just did yes. my number four, yeah. Yeah. Number three. Just generally the dialogue of this episode. There was a lot of really good lines and... um I just thought the was a lot of digs. Yeah, like sometimes I think the dialogue, it's like the the overarching plot, the storyline. I generally have always been really excited about that, but sometimes the dialogue's not that great. Mm-hmm. But I thought the dialogue and like the snappy one liners were really good this time. Like um, Herschel and Milton, for example, the, can I see your stump? Like, what, are you even going to buy me a drink? <laughs> Things and like that. The way Milton said it, it did sound like seem like he was on a date. Right, exactly. <laughs> he seems a little touch, too um, turned on by that I stump. Know. I just want to look. I think somebody in your chat room pointed out earlier that they're called stumpies. I don't know if they were referring uh, to my fetish converse comment earlier or not, but that's who a, knows? a stump that's fetishist. Uh, I have a little clip of some of that dialogue here. Uh, here we go. Andrew told me about your baby. 
that it might be your partner's. But you're caring for her, and I admire that. Restitution for your own lack of insight. For failing to see the devil beside you. Oh, I see him all right. Awesome. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, I just like how they're trying. They're getting un, in, under each other's skin, you know. And and when they when he said when he said that, it's like, oh God, that's gotta hurt. <laughs> I even like when when he said, "I brought whiskey." <laughs> <laughs> that made it so much more fun because I'm like, Rick hasn't had a drink in ages. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All he did right. drink it. He didn't turn it down. The governor could totally drink him under the table if mm-hmm. he wants to take him on that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, Karen, your turn. Uh, I like the male bonding over um, over the the Milton Herschel thing, of course, about the stumps and mm-hmm. talking about you know documenting history and documenting what's going on. And I like the male bonding over the zombie killing. I thought the Martinez Daryl knife throwing uh, baseball bat hitting sequence was hilarious and I thought it was really great when Andrea gave her little exasperated sigh at one point she sees what's going on she's like oh for god's sakes and Mm. she sort of turns around and walks off and then afterwards when Daryl she didn't turn around and walk off she was like I'll kill the zombie she did and kind of walked in first was like oh fuck (laughs) you guys she did it and then she's like oh god yeah yeah and she offers or um, uh, Daryl pulls out a cigarette from the zombie and offers it to Martinez, who then, uh, that's another funny line. Uh, he said, I prefer menthols. And Daryl says under his breath, douchebag. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, yeah, I really liked the whole dynamic. And I think uh, maybe the governor was sort of silly to bring his guys there because it looks like they all had uh, an interesting time talking to each other. And Connected. it's harder. Mm-hmm. It's harder to kill people that you're not that, you know, you've connected with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's kind of like what I was talking about last week, how when viewers saw a softer side of Michelle and they didn't want her dead anymore. It's like now that these uh, people from different camps meet, uh, I guess they probably didn't necessarily want each other dead anyway, but they're just like more connected and l- less likely to want to kill each other when they give each other a chance a little bit and get to know each other a little bit. So, but yep. you, you know, when Martinez told Daryl to shut his mouth, cause Daryl said, uh, he called Milton the Butler. Yeah. And then Martinez told him to shut his mouth. I, I almost felt like I was on Martinez's side there. I was like, yeah, don't make fun of Milton. What a yeah. jerk. <laughs> don't pick on the little guy. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing glasses. Come on. Okay. <clears throat> My number three is kind of dialogue related, but it's more about like there were a lot of playground digs in this, like hitting someone at their sore spot. I, I just played the one that the governor did with Rick talking about. Uh, what was it? I forgot already. Talking about. Lori. Uh, yeah. Lori. And Shane. Yeah. Shane, Lori and Shane. Yeah. Um, but then um, Daryl says about Milton, what we just said. Great. He brought his butler. <clears throat> And then later the governor says, you know, you or the Milton's, uh, I mean, Rick is like, why do you want to do this, you know, and, and do this all just so you can have Michonne and risk everybody's lives. Isn't that kind of petty or whatever? And the governor ignores him and just says, you could save your son, save your daughter. And that's sort of like totally getting under his skin, you know, yeah. like, oh, you're threatening my son. Later, uh, another point, governor says, I thought you were a cop, not a lawyer. And Rick says, either way, I don't pretend to be a governor. 
So he's getting him on that one. And later he says, you could have a statue of yourself in the town square, governor. <laughs> and then Merle, Merle gets some in, of course. He says to Glenn, nut up, boy. This guy cops a feel of your woman and you pussy out like this. Get out of my way. <laughs> so that's hitting, you know, Glenn where he lives because he was particularly sensitive about what the governor did to Maggie. Michonne says to Merle, how do you explain letting me get away when Merle was saying what a badass he was? And Merle says, I must have been seduced by your sterling personality. Which <laughs> she I thought, smiled at that yes, one, didn't she? she did. I she awesome. kind of glowed at that. It's like <laughs> that was what it took for her to make a connection with him. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool, too. Um, you can keep up with my wit. I give you respect. But that was the thing I was think- talking about, Karen, that I think... Um, Maybe Michonne of a couple of weeks ago would have just bristled at that and maybe chopped off Merle's head, but she's like lightened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Might yeah. have to do with the fact that she's actually interacting with humans rather than her two yeah. pets. Yeah. And then finally, the governor said, uh, I don't want your prison. That doesn't sound safe at all. I mean, you lost your wife, another man who's talking about. Fucky, fuck, fuck, fuck. Man, that T Dog, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought that actually, actually had a pretty good point about that <laughs> so because it hasn't been that safe for them there but wasn't there was an inconsistency with that at one point because i remember the beginning of the episode he had that line of i don't want your prison i just want you gone but then later in the episode they talked about him keeping the prison and their people staying there yeah so i, I was a little confused by that because yeah. he completely he rejected said, the idea of drawing the surrender. line at the river yes and i reject that and then later on, he's like, you can have everything you want as long as you give me Michonne. So the governor, I think, is full of shit, basically. Yeah, I wonder if that's what tipped uh, one of the many things yeah. that tipped Rick off of like, this guy's just full mm-hmm. of it and he's not going to let Rick, us go. Rick so knows it. When Rick said to everybody at the very end, uh, you know, the governor wants to kill us all and take this prison. I thought, OK, good. He knows the governor's full of shit and he knows what the governor really wants. Then he goes out and talks to Herschel and he makes it clear that he's pretty sure, but not totally 100 percent sure. And he's still considering giving up Michonne. But he's like, what if, you know, he's like, what if that would do the trick? So he's still considering that maybe the governor's being honest. But so he kind of he, he knows he suspects the governor's not. And of course not. I mean, why the hell would the governor keep his word on that? No one should believe that. He doesn't. He doesn't really believe it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay, let's move on. Number, where are we anyways? Two. Number two. Go ahead. So we've actually already discussed my number two. Mine was <laughs> just that setup of the very first confrontation between mm-hmm. Rick and the governor and like this. Because I really did wonder at first if it was a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is so strange. Where the heck is this coming from? Um, One thing I liked right before that is when they got there. It was quiet. It was the only one line was said yep. in the um, cold open, and that was the governor saying we got a lot of talk about or something. Right. Like that. Well, they were they were right. so, casing the joint yeah. like they were living, it, like they would any other empty. building. But it reminded me back of the first episode of the season. Remember that when it was quiet and they were going into the houses mm, looking yeah. for food and they yeah, were giving exactly. each other hand signals and everything. Uh-huh. It was right. good to see them doing that for consistency again. But right. they also okay. so when. Andrea showed up later. She's like, the governor's already here. Yeah, like she, I wasn't was, sure what the significance of that was. I mean, my impression was that Rick and Daryl were there to, they were there to get there before the governor did oh, and just the case out the yes. joint. But then the governor got there first anyway and mm-hmm. was already waiting for them. And that was somewhat unexpected. I mean, their watches are probably way, way out of sync at, right. at this point. <laughs> and the sun is at the highest point <laughs> yeah. in the sky. 
Karen? They had to, he had to uh, duct tape the gun in place. Um, <laughs> so did. my my number two was uh, was actually the exact same thing. Rick and the governor, uh, the whole um, conversation, really tense. I knew that they they were both going to be fine. Nobody's killing anybody at this me- particular meeting. But my heart was still pounding anyway. And uh, I think just like everybody else, David and I were on the couch shouting, "Show them! Show them!" Rick. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not? He's yeah, right there. Yeah, you on. have a gun. Shoot the fucker. <laughs> yeah, you're all saying that. By the way, at the one point I want to make that I don't think we've said yet is that how creepy was it that the governor saying that uh, to Rick, oh, you got a lot of weapons the other day. So yeah. he's been spying on them. I guess so. We don't know how the hell he knew that. And some right. people, some listeners are speculating that maybe Merle is a mole, but I don't think so. How is it? How would he be getting so. information I think back? All it takes is a pair of good. All you need to do is assign one of your minions to stand outside the the gates of the prison with some binoculars, and you're fine. Yep. You know, climb a tree uh, because I don't think zombies totally. can climb trees. Yeah, I think and, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, sit up there and uh, have a pair of binoculars. Done. Uh, my number two is I already talked about it. Just the whole Maggie and Glenn thing. So go ahead. Number sex. One. It's all about sex. sex. <laughs> so my my number one actually was kind of talked about already, but it was specifically the the meeting of the counterparts. Yes, that was and, my number one. And too. like the conversations mm-hmm. that were going on between the counterparts, like we already kind of touched on Milton and Herschel, and the dynamic with Milton and Herschel was Milton meeting what he could be. Like here's this very wise old man that seems to have so much better understanding of how the world operates and he just seemed to really like kind of grab onto Herschel like, wow, this is awesome. There's another smart person out there just like me. And he connected to Milton by making a joke and Milton at first wasn't going to laugh, but then he did. And at <laughs> that moment, laugh at they were just two buddies. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. then like with, um, <clears throat> with Martinez and Daryl, you have these like the machismo henchmen pairing off, like kind of like, jousting back and forth with like first their banter and then their ability to kill zombies mm. and like Daryl it was a good of, progression because yeah. like, when they first met and they were bristling and and it looked like they were gonna fight i believe that in fact when we have norman Reedus on i want to ask him if he was actually pissed off at the guy <laughs> because they did such a good job of making it look real right and like when they had to then finally leave and go and figure out what the threat was mm-hmm. you can see they both just like were able to refocus, do what they mm-hmm. needed to do. And they were admiring each other's prowess. Right. And at the end, well, actually, my favorite thing about that was when they basically both acknowledged that no matter what happens that day and when they go back to Woodbury in the prison, they're just going to end up having to shoot each other again later anyway. Like, their yep. war is going to happen. They're yeah, going to have to fight. It doesn't great. matter. Right. Like, oh, okay, you're you're kind of a cool guy. You're just like me. Yes. We're both the henchmen. And that was right no after Martinez said that his, his wife and kid died. Right. And then... Daryl said that sucks, and Martina said thanks, and it's like okay, we're friends now. And then Martina's like, no, doesn't even matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't think Daryl was thinking that. Oh, now they're becoming friends. I think he probably was thinking the same thing. It's like I'm still gonna yeah. have to shoot you tomorrow but if it, it comes down to it. But it was just yeah, it was just like they had a connection there for sure. And then it was like yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. But I I thought it was funny that they had cigarettes. And it's like one of them should have said, was that good for you? <laughs> <laughs> I totally would have taken that cigarette and I quit a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after that. 
must be something deep, deeply satisfying about a good zombie kill. <laughs> <laughs> like sex. And it cools. <laughs> they should, yeah, they should have, pan, uh, you know, cut back to Maggie and um, <laughs> Glenn having their own cigarettes. <laughs> My number one was uh, the whole concept of betraying Michonne. I don't like it at all. I uh, I hope they're not actually seriously considering it, but I it, it was one of the most, um, to me, one of the things that I sort of pondered and, and sort of burned and I, I grinded on it pretty much all day. Like, oh, you can't do it. You can't betray Michonne. I don't think they will. It'd be unbelievably stupid. Um, but just the fact that they're even talking about it, uh, I just want to slap uh rick and say but wait when rick said talk me out of this he was talking i thought he was talking me out of turning her over that's how i interpret it see i thought he was saying talk me out of going to war because he had just told everyone else that they were going to war talk me out of why i talk me out of giving michonne to him so because there's a chance there's a chance that it might just work no, there isn't, Rick. There isn't a no, chance. Cause uh, a- okay. Because then he said to Herschel, are you willing to sacrifice your daughters for her? Yeah, I don't even like that he's debating it. Okay. Well, and, Herschel, really and Herschel had this look on his face of like, nope. <laughs> but you know, they're, I don't know. I think they, they recognize the dilemma that they're in. I think that's that same crisis of conscience I talked yeah. about earlier. They know that this is... A very difficult decision and I think they both know that they're gonna not turn her over but at the same time they really want to with the, if there's a slim hope that it'll actually make the governor there's go no away hope. and prevent a war it's stupid in my it's it's ridiculous they, they have two choices they can either fight or run away turning well, Michonne over will only delay the inevitable okay well what don't they run that's yeah. what I want to know, That's too. Why don't they just book the hell out of there? I mean, I think they must think that the prison is worth holding on to because it's fortified. And, and you know, despite what's well, happened. Though. Well, despite yeah. what's happened with um, the wall falling know, down, Lori and and uh, T-Dog died only because there was a bad guy messing everything up. The prisoner guy. But the whole reason that Tyrese and those people were able to get in was just because there's a big hole oh, in the back yeah. of the wall. But and now there's a, fen- a, a van I mean, drove through the main fence. So it's not as fortified. It would be a lot of effort to get that place up to par again. I don't know. Like the how much effort it took to build a wall around Woodbury. I think it would take a lot less effort to fix the prison. They need to find yeah. like a really big <laughs> high school or middle school or something and just lock themselves in there. Those places are awesome. <laughs> Some we'll, high schools I've seen look like prisons. I'm always I'm so curious why they haven't got up to the roof yet. Kind of like in the They don't um, have enough money to <laughs> film that. Because <laughs> <laughs> like in the old Day of the Dead movie, they spent all that time up on the roof. Yeah. Even the, yeah, both, or no, great. the two Dawn of the Dead movies. Dawn of the Dead. They were on the roof in Atlanta when Merle got his hand chopped off. Maybe that's why they don't go on the roof is they don't want to actually get locked out again. <laughs> well, how, how come they don't go back to uh, Morgan's outpost? That was pretty well fortified. With all kinds of booby drops. Not for people, though. I mean, that was a bunch of sticks sticking out, like kind of put up like fences. I mean, you could you could drive afford- over that with a car. True, but uh, apparently uh, the folks over at Woodbury don't know about it, so it wouldn't have to be fortified against people, just against zombies. I I, I really think that a prison is probably one of the safest places that could be in the zombie apocalypse. They are built to keep people in one yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. If they can just fix that one or, you know, fix the perimeter, 
that'd be easier than, but I, I, that's the only reason why I think they would want to stay. So my number one was all, Oh wait, did you do yours? Yeah, you did. So my number one was all, all these meetups too, which we already talked about all the people from Woodbury meeting people from the prison. I had a couple other notes. <clears throat> I thought, um, the governor acts was acting kind of low key in this episode, which is it's, it's fun to see him just sort of laugh everything off, but I'm ready for some raw anger from this guy. I want to see him act more like a villain and just lose his shit. So I'm, I'm like, I hope he does that. You know, when they finally go to, I want to see him just show how crazy he really is. Maybe they'll have hand to hand combat between him yeah. and Rick and we'll see who really is badass. Wasn't he like a teacher or an insurance salesman or something? I just guess, an office yeah, guy. Yeah, all they've said is he's, yeah, office guy. He worked in an office, and 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 his boss was was dumber and younger. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's all I got. I like it. That's all you guys do. Yep. Got to say about it. All right, let's move on to some <laughs> news about The Walking Dead. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Don't tell me what's going on. Is that the the zombie Marvin Gaye? I I tried to uh, bump it down so it would be like, what's going on? But it just sounded (laughs) really horrible. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so the news. First item. Do you know about that movie, Great and Powerful Oz? Yeah. It looks amazing. uh, Apparently, James Franco did do a very good job in it. So, yeah, which is too bad. He seems kind of lackluster, but anyway, it looks beautiful. It does, indeed. And what does that have to do with... What does that have to do with anything is that Greg Nicotero (laughs) and his K&B FX group worked on it with Sam Raimi. Sam (gasps) Raimi directed. I didn't know it was a Sam Raimi film. Now my interest has increased. (laughs) Damn. And uh, Nicotero said we had about 70 artists at K&B working on this project, having worked most recently with Sam in Drag Me to Hell, which came out in 2009, capping a nearly an 18-year partnership, he'd commented to me how much fun it was after all these years to still be working together. Oh, so, that's great. And those those guys that work with Greg Nicotero, they are the, the coolest guys. I mean, we got to spend time in the trailer with mm-hmm. them. And, man, yeah, it's like a family. They're so, oh, they're so great. Mm-hmm. They play great music, and they're just all friendly, and they have the best stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could go back and relive one time in Georgia, it would be my time in the makeup trailer. Totally. Me too. And, uh, yeah, I love talking to the guy. I, I got made up by the guy who did my favorite zombie, the RV zombie. I think I've already talked about this. But it was a blast. And every time I'd mention any movie, they either worked on it or they knew somebody who did. Mm-hmm. They did. They did Breaking Bad. And yeah. I, and when I said uh, my one of my favorite movies was Fight Club, one of the guys is all, "Oh, I did the bag of fat." <laughs> <laughs> so he made a bag of fat for Fight Club. <laughs> he said he studied real human fat for that, <laughs> which was disgusting and totally cool. Those guys are rock stars. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next. Cryptozoic Entertainment, the premier developer of original licensed games, um, and AMC expand their partnership with the announcement of the Walking Dead card game created by award-winning game designer Wolfgang Kramer. (laughs) (laughs) The Walking Dead card game game pits humans against zombies in a test of bravery and dominance. Based on the uh, game Six Nymphed, 
The Walking Dead card game is a quick 10 to 30 minute game for 2 to 10 players. Each player attempts to collect points by defeating as many zombies as possible. The player with the most points at the end of the game emerges victorious. That's supposed to come out May 30th. Will you play that with me? Heck yeah, I'll play that with you. You will? Yeah, sure. Drink beer. Yeah, I was going to say, we can drink beer. Do you, are you competitive? <laughs> Not at all. Okay. Are you kidding me? So you let me win. Yeah, totally. Thank, all right. I'll make you feel good about yourself and let you win. <laughs> Thank you. I'm here. Uh, next, Denai Guerrera talked to Access Hollywood about Michonne. She said that last Sunday's episode where her character bonded with Rick and Carl marked a turning point for Michonne. Uh, quote, she can kind of now reach back to the chick she was before who she had to shut down and become a warrior. It's a really powerful moment for her. She's combining that warrior chick and the heart and the empathetic place that she used to have before the apocalypse. (laughs) That liked um, pretty little kitty statues. Yeah, that's how (laughs) they signify that. And, um, well, I guess we we will have already done the Deadcast.5 at this point, but I noticed something like that in this episode, a change in, in Michonne. Ooh, a little I'm bit. looking forward to it. So she also said that she knows she needs community. She's now thinking, I know these are the right people for me. So she's changed. Was it her cute little top that she had on? Because I noticed that. No, but I think she's gorgeous. Gosh, my God, she is gorgeous. <laughs> so next, Lauren Cohen had an interview on AMCTV.com. Um, my favorite question, they asked, how has the sex scene or has the sex scene between you and Steven Yun been the genesis for any jokes between you and Steven Yun? She said, we're constantly joking about it. All of our fans are convinced we're an actual couple. When I went on a road trip with my dad, they're a couple, come on. When I went on a road trip with my dad, I was taking pictures of where I was and putting it on Twitter and people were writing, Lauren, we all know that when you say dad, you really mean Steven. (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> In my head, there are a couple. They are. I'm just going to yeah. say it. <laughs> no. uh, so next, Kirkman in a Robert Kirkman interview, Hollywood Reporter, they ask Andrea questions what she's doing in Woodbury and learns the governor assaulted Maggie. Why doesn't she take Herschel up on his offer to rejoin the group? Kirkman says it's a very difficult decision for her to make, but she's invested in the idea of Woodbury. Despite everything that the governor has done, she sees that his this community has value and has good people. As much as she may want to save the lives of the people in the prison, it's equally important to her not to watch these poor people be marched into war for next to no reason. She's very invested in keeping these people safe. That's what's keeping her there. So that's pretty clear. I kind yeah. of thought that too. Everyone still, well, not everyone, but a lot of people still want to hate on Andrea. And, I, and, you know, I thought in this episode she was pretty reasonable. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've we've said everything that we're gonna. That I mean, we've I'm sure we've talked about it in the top five. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or let's remember too. <laughs> I feel like um, Bill and Ted here. Right. They have to remember to go back in time and do let's the things that will get them to the right place. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this out of order, people. <laughs> in case you can't tell. All right. Next, they asked, "Could we expect Milton, who knows the governor is planning to kill Rick when he returns, and Andrea?" To attempt to flee Woodbury to warn Rick. Kirkman says, It's all in the card. I pride myself on the fact that when you sit down to read an issue of The Walking Dead or watch an episode of the show, you really don't know what's going to happen. It's really cool that these characters can switch sides and do things that are unexpected on the turn of a dime. You don't really know what direction the story is going to go from week to week. It's that surprising element that makes the show so popular. The next episode may have a little more of that in it. I thought that was, in- I mean, I agree with that. 
Do you? Uh, yeah. And uh, let me ask you, um, I'm watching it through the eyes of somebody who hasn't read the comic up to this point. Is it mm-hmm. still surprising for you having read the comic even yes. past this point? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Totally. Good. Yeah. I That's never. Good. Yeah. I, he all, he's good at that. Totally. Yeah. Um, is, I, it, is it keeping this in the spirit of the comic? The show? Kind of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, some of like the characters, some of the characters uh, like Andrea comes to mind is nothing like Andrea in, in the comic. Although this last episode, she's more similar, but, um, but you know, there's all different kinds of characters in the comic, but it just, as far as the feel of it, I would say for the most part, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it still feels like a Kirkman production. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and cool. especially when they started doing those, like what the fuck? Oh my God. Moments yeah. at the end. He does that a lot in the comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Like stopping to pick up the hitchhiker's uh, backpack. Mm -hmm. I thought that was an awesome moment. And even I've only read a little bit of the comic, but even I can tell that that's something you would have seen in in the comic. The first one that where I really felt like, oh, yes, this is just like something that would happen in the comic is when Shane shot Otis in the leg. <laughs> and that was the end, you know. <laughs> right, right, I was like, right. Yep, that Kirkman probably came up with that. <laughs> that was Scott Gimple episode. Um, one more news thing: SeattlePI.com had an article speculating that Andrea is going to die this season. I think there's a lot of speculation about that. And but the line in that article that interested me the most was uh, they said that Walking Dead executive producer David Alpert told them, "Quote: What happens to Andrea is not what anybody expects." I expect she'll die, so maybe she won't die. <laughs> I don't want her to die. <laughs> you don't? I want her to keep... No, I I actually um, really have been enjoying the whole Andrea arc. I know a lot of people are frustrated, but uh, I, for one, um, have been uh, enjoying all the things that she's brought to the show this season. So, Cool. Yeah, Me too. I want her to keep going. Okay, that's it for the news. Let's take a little break. What you got in store for me? Those eyes closed next to me And I don't want another Day to break Okay, it's time for next week on The Walking Dead, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jason. Next week on The Walking Dead, the episode is entitled Prey. P-R-E-Y, not Mm P-R-A-Y. Prey, like a bird of prey. Then the, the little blurb is, the governor chases a dissenter who fled Woodbury. While the governor is gone, a traitor tries to sabotage his upcoming plans. Hmm. I wonder who they could mean. A Can dissent- you read that again? Yeah. The governor chases a dissenter who fled Woodbury. Okay. While the governor is gone. Tyrese. Tr- oh, yeah. or, or. Andrea. Or. Uh, Milton. Yeah. <laughs> it could be anybody, I guess. While the governor is gone, a traitor tries to sabotage his upcoming plans. So basically, there's uh, dissenters and traitors right, right, right. Okay, so that Okay, so, yeah, I was thinking. For some reason, I thought the big war was happening this week, but that doesn't make any sense. They'd probably say that for the, the last episode. The last so, two episodes. Yeah. I think. Are there three left or two left? Three more, think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this I'm is sort of things in Woodbury start to fall apart. Right. And it's written by uh, a guy who you may have heard of named Glenn Mazzara. 
No and way, really? He, he wrote it? Oh, and, I didn't realize and, he'd written more. Oh. And Evan Riley. So uh, oh. Evan Riley, who's um, written a bunch of things, too. So, good yeah. Ones, yeah. Uh, could be could be pretty good. And it's directed by a guy named Stefan Schwartz. Um, I don't think he's directed any Walking Dead episodes before, but uh-huh. he's done lots of work on Dexter, Luther, House, uh, Crash. Oh, and I one. think Glenn Mazzara uh, worked on, I think Glenn Mazzara worked on Crash. So yeah, maybe that's he where did. he's working with before. Yeah, I think he brought him in. Evan Riley wrote some really good episodes that I liked, but he also wrote the one this season that wasn't that good. Uh-huh. Yeah, but all those other ones have been great. So hopefully yep. it'll be good. And, you know, I mean, maybe it was also the placement of Suicide King, the fact yeah. that, that it came, you know, we were expecting some whiz-bang uh, season opener. And, you know, uh, and also I think some of the reason why that wasn't as good as I'd like was the direction and, and the setup and stuff like that, too. Like the whole mm-hmm. arena scene seemed cheap. And if it would have been a big, cool arena, then it would have been better. So it's the director's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But anyways, cool. That sounds great. Looking yeah. forward to it. And this is a little spoilery. So mm-hmm. if anybody is uh, wants to get away Allergic. from the spoilers, they can. Yeah, exactly. Just fast forward for about five seconds. But I, I saw this video that they, they posted a couple different videos, in fact. And uh, I saw a couple. But the one that I want to talk about is Andrea and Milton are talking um, about killing the governor, basically. And um, so definitely Andrea and Milton are both on board with maybe trying to stop the inevitable war. They're peaceniks. Well, it's about time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think it should be, it's going to be interesting. And there's, like I said, traitors, there's sabotagers, saboteurs uh, over at Woodbury. Things are not as they seem in Woodbury. Cool. That's it, man. Okay. It's time for listener moans, groans, and grunts. Uh, <laughs> Okay, go ahead, Lisa. All right, from Ken. I listen to the Walking Dead cast from work where I am an inventory control clerk. It's especially freaky here because our accountant mumbles when he talks and walks extremely slow and down the hall, and our plant manager walks with his head tilted as if he does not have the strength to put it up. When they walk past my desk during the intro for listener moans, groans, and grunts, (laughs) it legitimately freaks me out. (laughs) That would freak me out, too. That's fabulous. You are in ground zero. One of those guys might be patient zero. (laughs) That sounds like Shaun of the Dead. That's great. That's great. Uh, This next one comes from Mike. Mike writes, I have a question for you that's related to your zombie sound contest. Do zombies from different parts of the country sound different? For example, does a zombie from the South have a Southern grrr drawl? Grrr, y'all. I'm from California originally. Grrr, dude. (laughs) Do the Boston area zombies have a pa-da-ka sound? I was hoping your contest resulted in shedding some light on this. We didn't pay enough attention to notice that. We paid really close attention, and I don't think we noticed. I mean, yeah, we could go back and do a study, but... Were there any regional... <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any regional <laughs> zombie accents. Nope. I didn't notice anything like that. It's a cool idea, though. And I did like the fact that if you had uh, recently had bronchitis, you had a better zombie yes, sound. Yes, definitely. 
Okay, this is from Mike. I have a question for you that's related. Oh, I just you just read that one. This is from Evan. It's great to hear about your sponsorship by Audible. I, if I wasn't already a lawyer listener, listener since 2005, I'd definitely sign up via your link. Good recommendation on World War Z, of course. You can't argue with that choice, especially with the movie coming out. But here are a few more. <clears throat> I'm sure you probably must already know about the rise of the governor and the road to Woodbury, but I wasn't sure if you knew about Re- Rhiannon Frader's books in the As the World Dies series, The First Days, Fighting to Survive, and Siege. I have dozens of Zed lit in my digital library, and these are by far the best. I know that's a bold statement, but I can confidently say that they will hold their own or beat any other biter book they are put up against. Cool, man. I'm glad you recommended those because I want to read a really good zombie book. And every time I get started reading one, it just doesn't seem that good. So maybe these will be good. Everything on Audible is like a book on tape, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we got sponsored by them. So um, if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash deadcast, you can get a free audiobook. And I'm working my way right now through the unabridged version of Stephen King's 112263. And it's fantastic is it really so good oh my god it's oh, so cool. good yes yeah right on i'm loving it all right okay, Lisa. this next one is from james to karen philly is not okay all caps when you were talking about the writer who was watching the hockey game while listening i'm glad you said she was a oh i thought okay Sorry, I thought that said penis. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you. <laughs> I'm glad you said she should be a Pens fan. Capital Pens, plus 100 points for you. Let's just say that if I were a zombie and somehow randomly walked to Philly, I would starve. There are no brains in that city. Ha ha. The heated rivalry between Pittsburgh and Philly continues into the undead. My <laughs> boy, is that, is that true? Uh, and Pens stands for penguins. Oh, okay. Good to know. They're they're Pittsburgh's championship Stanley Cup winning, fabulous uh, Sidney Crosby uh, starring hockey team, and they're the bee's knees. Go Avalanche. (laughs) Denver fans out there, go Avalanche. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) So this one's from Rima. A few things. Love Daryl. Great zombie kill with a knife. Makes a girl weak in the knees. Mm. What if um, Milton had done that? You wouldn't care. I was listening. Andrea did that, too. <laughs> she had that cool little pocket knife. Oh, thing. yeah. I think that's hot. I think uh, it was badass. No matter who does it. Milton sucks with zombies. Um, Milton asking to see Herschel stump. A little creepy. I get I get asking about it and re- recording for history's sake. But, geez, turn it off, dude. <laughs> Uh, Great to see Maggie and Glenn get back to a good place, but awkward watching with my daughter in the room. Makes no difference if she's 18 or not. I was squirming in my seat. (laughs) I was really surprised to hear Rick tell Herschel that he was considering turning over Michonne and he wanted Herschel to talk him out of it. So, yeah, this guy, I guess you guys are right. That's what he wanted Herschel to talk him out of. Yeah. You know what? I was wondering, what can they show on basic cable? Turns out they can show a lot. Mm hmm. Did you freeze it frame by frame? No, creep. <laughs> Did too. <laughs> go ahead, go this, ahead. This next one comes from wait, Frank. Wait, it's not your turn. We actually oh, had a sorry. function on that on yeah. our VCR growing up. There was like the frame by frame. Yeah. It was great. But it was all like wavy. Ours wasn't. Ours wasn't really? too wavy. Yeah. Mine was. My brother. The only thing I ever remember my brothers doing that though was um, the original Return of the Jedi when the, star, when the Death Star blew up. My brothers would keep going back and redoing the 
does start blowing up frame by frame. Uh. <laughs> it made the end of that movie really long. That's hilarious. I love Star Wars. It though. sounds like something out of Clockwork Orange. <laughs> All right, so is it Frank? Yeah. All right, from Frank. My question for you guys is we want... I'm having issues with this whole reading thing today. Uh-huh. All right. And I don't edit, so, so you know. <laughs> My question for you guys is we know a war is coming and casualties are inevitable. All the, all the characters seem so important. Who do you think we lose when the dust clears? We know that Karen wants Herschel to die. See, I want Herschel to live. The gimps of the world need to survive in the in the zombie apocalypse. I'm just teasing. (laughs) They do need to deck out his crutches though with something cool, like find a knife. Spikes. Yeah, spikes. That would be awesome. Uh, I think Andrea. That's what I think. Oh, you don't have inside information. No, I don't. I don't have any information. I don't want it to be her. Okay. But I I think all I think a lot of the fans want it to be her. I don't want it to be her either. I just mm-hmm. have a bad feeling. And yeah. Axel, I think Axel. <laughs> Which one's Axel? He's the one that's already He's dead. He's the dead oh. one. Well, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I have a tendency to think it's the lower level characters. Yeah. I mean, this show has been really good about really sticking to the so theme of Merle. nobody is safe. Yeah, Merle's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the um, the law and order theory of the highest paid guest stars is either the killer or the uh-huh. person who's going to get killed by the end of the show, or usually is the killer by the end of the show. And so someone like Merle, who's a really well-known actor who's got a career outside of this, or someone yeah. maybe I could see Andrea for the same reason. So I'm always kind of thinking outside that little. I, I think the governor is a goner. I think, uh, I think Merle, I mean, Merle needs, he's getting a little soft, I'd say. I don't know. This issue, this episode, there was a big fight, but still, he's not as formidable as he was before. He's not as crazy as he was before. So I think he either needs to get crazy again or he should get killed. <laughs> okay. It is your turn, right, Karen? Okay. This one comes from Levi. Levi writes. So the first episode of season two, when some of the group finds the church on the sign, it says Revelation 1617, which y'all may have covered before. But after a few things were revealed at the end of the second season, it means a little more. I'll explain. So the verse says, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, it is finished. So... Bowl into the air sounds kind of like an airborne virus that makes everyone infected so that when they die, they come back to life as walkers to me. As we learn at the end of the season, everyone is infected. And the guy at the CDC had just whispered in Rick's ear the episode before in season one. So this was kind of like a build upon that and foreshadowing what Rick would later reveal to the rest of the group. Thoughts? I think that's probably, yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it, the sign said Revelation sixteen seventeen for a reason, and I bet you somebody re- read that verse and thought, oh, that sounds very foreboding, and it ties in with the zombie apocalypse. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, good eye, by the way. Who was mm-hmm. that who wrote in? Levi. Uh, Levi. Sounds Levi. very biblical. It is very biblical. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Levi. Okay. Michelle says, love your interviews with the peeps from The Walking Dead. It made me sad, though, to hear that Andrea is getting lots of nasty comments directed at her because of her relationship with the governor. I did not watch the Paley Fest, but heard that she started crying due to some comments that were made there. Aww. I didn't hear that. If that's true, that's pretty fucked up. That's messed up. 
acting yeah. is remember a there's job. a difference between the actress yeah. and the character even even this email she's like saying andrea's getting nasty comments yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. Holding. but anyways acting is her job and love her character or hater and andrea's decision making has been somewhat questionable the actress herself doesn't deserve that kind of treatment and it's sad to see it affecting her so deeply i agree yeah yeah i mean that's i mean that's one of the glorious things of acting is you get people who play something that's not themselves. You can't just assume that the, the actor is sharing personality <laughs> traits or character or yeah. characteristics of the character. I mean, I think a lot of who they are comes out in the character, but, but that doesn't mean like, like she would be making the same. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. what really gets me about it is I think if you're a hero, like, or a badass like Daryl, you get all these accolades, right? And that's fun. And if you're a villain, like the governor or other more straightforward villains, people say they love to hate you, but there's still like this recognition that it's a role, you know, for the most part, people don't hate on you. I don't think when you're playing a straight up villain, but maybe this kind of character where you're supposed to be a good guy, but you're kind of making stupid decisions. That's probably the worst yeah. as far as getting shit from fans, you know? <laughs> right. Okay, let's go on the next one. All right. So this is from Dan from Boston. I'll keep it brief and in in tidbit form since you probably get a ton of feedback. Not even a gun shop wakes the baby. Beth in the prison. Maybe the baby. They should have had the baby cry. They never really do show the baby in general. The baby's always just kind of hiding off somewhere. She was locked in a cell crying. Another cell block. (laughs) It's a soundproof cell. (laughs) Now it's okay just to leave Merle with an arsenal of guns? Good question. (laughs) Apparently the walkers in the prison yard aren't attracted to motorcycles. You may pass. (laughs) Yeah, I've always kind of wondered that. Every time cars come in and out of there, they don't seem to kind of recluster around where the noise went. Separate apart. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They're not very attentive. Maybe they have all the deaf zombies in that yard. Last one. It seems as if Andrea finally has her head out of her beautiful ass, but needs to be prudent with her assassination plan. Yeah, I agree. I think she just is like kind of going through Dorothy phase right now. She just wants to go home. <laughs> Get I mean, out, out of this, this mess. But she did choose to go back to the prison. And that's one thing I forgot to address that when um, her and Herschel were talking and he was saying, you're part of this family. But then he said something like, if you choose to come back with us, it's settled. And I wasn't sure what he meant by that. Does that mean that she can't ever go back to Woodbury? I think that's might might have been what he meant. I think it's more like if you come back to us, it's settled that you're one of us. Okay, but it's how I interpret it. But it sounded like it might be a bad thing. Like that would be a good thing, I guess. But anyway, I think she chose back to go back to Woodbury because uh, she thought she could probably do more good there. Oh, maybe maybe he meant that if you go if you come back with us, that means it's subtle. That means the war is going to happen no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think either from like a personal decision level and a tactical level, both it made sense for her to to go back to Woodbury because they don't really know what's going to happen in the next few days. And if she ultimately knows she wants to go and be back with people in the prison, she can at least kind of keep an eye on things in Woodbury for a few more days and just kind of Mm -hmm. see if things play out the way the governor said he would do things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely not that she's still in love with him. Right. No, I I think she's, especially, well, when she asked about Maggie, I thought that yeah. was really telling. She's like, like what okay, happened to Maggie? Like, she didn't even know. Back, yeah. And I kind of yeah. throughout the last couple of episodes, like, why didn't they tell mm-hmm. someone? Why didn't they tell her sooner? Right. Like, when she was there You're visiting, they Gates? never told her. She didn't know. <laughs> you don't think she went back to give him the second best night of his life? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. Why not? You're there. 
Okay, your turn, Karen. <laughs> okay, this one comes from Cindy. Cindy writes, regarding last night's episode, why did they bring a one-legged man to this party and, hey. make, him the, and make him the driver? What? Why didn't they bring Merle or Glenn or someone? I know that for the story, they wanted to show the Merle Herschel exchange, which I loved, but it just seems so weird. And conversely, they left Merle alone with the three people, Michonne, Glenn, Maggie, that want to kill him. <laughs> and that who is- cares? They <laughs> don't care. You know, and he's the one doctor, too. He's the one guy that they really have to guard closely because he has some medical training. Yeah, I, I think it was because they wanted to show him interacting Milton with Herschel. Milton, which was great. Yep. Okay. My, yep. I, I did feel a twinge of fear at the beginning when they all left him alone in the car. Like when it was like yeah. that, those first opening moments when it was just kind of tense. Rick, Daryl, and and um, Herschel, and Herschel, and they didn't really know what they were. We didn't know what they were walking into yet, and he's all alone by himself in the car with the window down, and I'm just like, oh no, he's gonna get eaten now. <laughs> Okay, let's go into the more quick reactions to the episode. Jordan says, do you think the zombies are so squishy because they're decomposing and some have been around for about a year? Yes. I think, yeah. I wonder if the writers are are consciously thinking that, but it makes sense. <laughs> Rhett, sneaky Herschel strapping weapons to his stump, obviously taking t- tips from Merle using the show's new sponsor, Duct Tape. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha writes, my least favorite part of this episode was finding out that Andrea revealed some very personal things about Rick to the governor. I understand that she's probably thought she would never see them again, but that's not cool. And when would that even have come up? She was talking about her ex-boyfriend. Of course it comes up. <laughs> so the guy I was sleeping with, he Didn't was actually leave. sleeping with our leader's wife. All the kinds of crap. Oh, he got her knocked true. up. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. always share that kind of stuff with your new lover. You do? Do you? Lisa. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't know. I haven't had a new one in like eight years. So, <laughs> downside of dating you Lisa. Hear that, Matt Paul? <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, Shenandoah says, sexy time on guard duty is a dumb idea. See, I agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. From John, least favorite thing, Merle hitting on Michonne. I don't think he was hitting on her. I think they're nah. just kind of bonding. Yeah. <laughs> Pierre writes, this episode was a doo doo. They went from the <laughs> best episode with clear to this trash. Highly disappointed. Rate this three fucky fuck fuck fucks. <laughs> So isn't that kind of the That's middle so range bad. then? Because yeah. like if you're Three is five not, yeah, versus one. One's one. bad. Uh, yeah. Chris, Chris says, anybody else notice that Michael Rooker is now in the main credits? I hadn't noticed that he in has any been for episode a while. earlier than last night. Oh, he has? I didn't know. I thought he was. Hmm. Mar- this is from Mariano. I liked it. It was a slow episode, but still good. My least favorite, that slimy piece of shit governor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Justin my. writes, I'm surprised people haven't noticed the pattern yet. Every fourth episode is amazing. Every episode after that has less action and more exposition. <laughs> Brian says, favorite equals Rick and Governor kicking Andrea out of the meeting. Aww. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Jeff says, how does the governor know about the weapons Rick brought back? I'm starting to think Merle really is at the prison under Philip's orders. No. Mike writes, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. <laughs> Which one? He was right there with you and Dave, David. Yeah. Yep. Natalie says, I'm glad to hear Rick finally admit that Michonne has, in fact, earned her place in the group. Michael says, I have a bad feeling that Glenn and Maggie's passionate lovemaking scene means the end is near for at least one of them by the end of this season. No. no. I don't think Mario so. Mario writes, la, 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 getting sick of the prison. I want to see a city. Please move to some other place. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Chris says, I see Daryl's toting the new crossbow. Michonne got him. I didn't notice that. Yes. I'll shame you. 
Eric says, I think it was a mistake for the governor to let his people interact with Rick's group. When it comes to having to shoot someone after killing zombies and sharing a smoke, I think you'll make a difference when the time comes. <laughs> okay, I want to read this. Um, we got a tweet. It's from at Trey NTP. It says, Jason, can you talk any slower? Speed up and talk louder too. Hashtag headache. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I'm so sorry. Trey NTP. <laughs> I promise I will try. <laughs> I, really I think you talk that slow. <laughs> I think you articulate. You. <laughs> Screw you. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. I think so, too. Um, all right. Let's do some calls. This one is... Oh, wait. Let me call up the calls here. Where call the calls. calls. Here they are. Okay. This one is from Michael. Thanks, Michael. I think he just vomited in my ear. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Disgusting, Lord. Michael. Thank you. Uh, this one's from Scott. Hi, Jason and Karen. This is Scott from Nashville, and this is a comment in response to the gal who wrote in about the outbreak and getting more information about it. I kind of side with both of you guys in that I, I do love clues and love to figure things out by myself, but also it's pretty unrealistic that these characters would never speak a word about how the outbreak started. Uh, I'm sure some of the folks were there for the initial newscasts and would at least have some information to share with Rick, who just wakes up from a coma into a completely different world and never asks question one about how did this happen. That's really bugged me since the beginning of the show, but I still stick with it. I love the show. Actually, I've, I just started watching it about three weeks ago, got all caught up just in time for the... Uh, airing of the second half of this season so i love the show i love the way your podcasts help to uh navigate through everything that happens it's a great little uh, partner to watching the show so keep up the good work thanks bye Aww. thanks scott yeah thanks for coming I, I agree you know i don't want them to dwell on it too much but it would be fun to have some conversations about it or you know go into it a little bit sometimes the, like people wondering how the hell it all happened and stuff uh, yeah, you know, and, and I like to think that that happens off camera. <laughs> but I want to see some of it. Yeah, I do too, actually. I mean, I, I want to see all the downtime. I'm super curious. You know, what's in the back, the, the hitchhiker's backpack? I want to see all that stuff. Porn. <laughs> <laughs> what would you save at the end of the world? Porn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. This is from, this is from Wayne from Petaluma. Hi uh, guys, uh, this is Wayne up in Petaluma. Uh, I woke up this morning, sounded like very white. Very white, <laughs> so I thought I'd give you my very white as a zombie impression. You are my everything. <laughs> Thanks, enjoy the podcast. Have a day. <laughs> Thanks, Barry White. <laughs> Come on, baby. Uh, next is Dana from Seattle. Hi, Jason and Karen. My name is Dana, and I'm calling from Seattle, Washington. And I love your podcast. My children and I watch The Walking Dead together as a family. That's our family thing. <laughs> and then we um, listen to your podcast, and that's how I get them to go on 
long car trips with me, I bribe them by saying, hey, I downloaded the Walking Dead cast, so we can listen to that while we are in the car, Aww. and then they are more willing to come with me without tantrums involved. Um, also, I want to make a co- comment regarding um, the episode Clear and what that may mean. I don't know what it means, but I do know that Clear um, is a Scientology term that, that's used in that particular religion. <laughs> and um, so um, I've heard that people go on retreats or whatever for Scientology so they can become clear. So I don't know if there's a Scientologist in the writer's group or if it's related to that at all, but um, that's what it made me think of when I heard that word. I immediately thought of Scientology. So anyway, I love the podcast, and I love you guys. I think you guys are great, and keep it up. Also, I get excited when I hear you guys talk about other shows because those are the shows, same shows that I watch, like Breaking Bad. I love that show. Um, Lost and Six Feet Under. So uh, when I hear those other shows come up, I think, oh, my gosh, I watch those shows, too. These guys have great taste in television. <laughs> anyway, love the podcast, and thank you. Bye. Aww. Thanks, Dana. I like that I you lo- said you love the podcast three times. <laughs> 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 and that we're like the family, yeah, the family yeah, yeah. car, and That's we're in awesome. the family car. Yay! Hi, kids. Yeah, Hi, it makes kids. me wonder if, like, if we had something like this growing up, if my brothers and I would have not, not like beat the crap out of each other more often in the car. Stop <laughs> hitting your sister. <laughs> Come on, don't touch her. Oh, we were, my parents were very strategic about car rides. It would be. The oldest brother in the front next to my dad, and then be me, my mom, and the other brother. <laughs> we are not allowed to be next to each other. That's hilarious. Kids, write in and tell us what you want us to say on the podcast. Um, yeah. About the whole clear thing, yeah, that sort of makes it. I mean, clear, I think, in Scientology is about getting rid of all your negative emotions about things that have happened in your past. And it seems to me that Morgan is trying to kind of clear his conscious about you know what happened with his wife and daughter so I, I think there is a relation there i don't know if they were specifically thinking about scientology but it seems like a similar concept at least yeah it's not clear <clears throat> it's not clear okay let's move on to the next one which is charlie from new york hey um so this is charlie from the east coast from new york and i'm calling hopefully i made it in this week last week i was too late or week before last to be on the um show and uh, i do have to thank you jason for sending that text message which was so sweet usually when a girl gets a rejection by guy like you know via text it's sad and, you know, <laughs> but um that i thought was really cool so here it goes okay i have to tell you i give this episode three brains i'm just i think they're losing me I think they, I don't want to admit it, but I got to tell you, I just found the whole meeting to be the final year meeting with Rick and the Gubna to be just something that dramatic. It was good in that the, I, I loved the dialogue. I thought the dialogue was sharp and funny. You know, the, the scenes with Dow and the and outdoors and the whole who can kill a zombie. But, you know, that that's really funny. But in terms of drama and tension, I, I didn't feel it. And feel it one bit, and that's saying a lot because I was I was waiting for it. Um, what I do love and continue to love is Merle's presence in in this because he shows us why sociopaths um, are somewhat necessary. I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, and, <laughs> at least in that he is saying things that are may not be nice to hear, but they're true. You know, Rick should have killed the governor when he had the chance. He should have shot him point blank in the yeah. head and kept it moving, but he didn't. Now he has bigger dilemma, which is should he, you know, give over it. 
you know, hand in Michonne, if I may. You know, let her go. Let her go. I mean, tell her that she needs to run like the Dickens and just let her go. Give her some food and some, sounds cold, but I don't know, that's my take. I don't know. So I want to know what you guys think because I just, I'm over Michonne. I'm over, you know, the the Maggie, um, you know, the, the whole romance between those two. I'm just over it. What is that? Is this mid-season malaise? I don't know. <laughs> All right, love you guys. Thanks. No zombie sounds because my zombie sounds like, um, oh. you know, I don't know, like a vampire. I don't know why. But anyway, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Maybe if they get rid of Maggie, Michonne, and Glenn will hook up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you don't like the show anymore. I mean, I, I was wondering, I saw, Charlie, that you said uh, you thought it jumped the shark, the episode before Clear, which I remember we didn't think was the best either. But then I wonder what you thought of last week's yeah. episode, because we really love that one. But yeah, if you don't like it anymore, you don't like it. I think you should wait till the end of the season and then just keep watching it because there's a new show running next year. I kind of agreed with her on the, on the tension aspect. Like, I really liked yeah. the dialogue, but I really did feel like the tension yeah. between the governor and Rick really wasn't that tight. It was Drawing just, it out, I think maybe that was partly because they drew it out over the whole episode, right. too. Like, they just never really got to the, like, mm-hmm. the essential question of, so, like, Rick asking the governor, so what do you want here? Mm-hmm. What do you see? Just... Do something. <laughs> Tell me what you want. Yeah, yeah. Not, let's know. have he, a whiskey. He did. He, he, at the end, he said, I want Michonne. Yeah, I mean, the tension ramped up there, but it I should have been all tension. Time. You're always tense. I am not. <laughs> no, I'm Liar. just kidding. You're not. You're one of the least tense people I know. Okay, oh. uh, let's move to the next one, which is The Because Show. So this is for Jason and Karen. Happy 100th episode. This is Geraldine from The Because Show. I'm here with Amy and Susan. Jason and Karen, I have enjoyed your podcast so, so much. I've listened to every single episode. And I have to tell you, my very, very favorite part is when Jason told the story about his friend who threw his mom's t-shirt in the wash and ruined the t-shirt and then was going to get his mom a new t-shirt that said, Sorry, mom, but then decided against <laughs> it. Funny. I'm so glad you decided not to cut that out. Please never cut out stuff like that. Happy oh. 100th episode. Bye. Brains, brains. Don't get <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks. Amy's, zomb- Amy's zombies say, Wah, like the penguin from Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. That was really sweet. Sweet. Yeah. We're coming up on our 100th episode. Yay. And then Gerilyn did one more with her kids. It's really cute. Here it is. Now I have four kids here ranging from ages five to eight years old who have some pretty good zombie sounds. Let's hear them. Brains, I want to eat your brains. Happy 100. <laughs> Yay, that was awesome. <laughs> I want to eat your brains. <laughs> Thanks, Marilyn. Awesome. That's cool. And that's all for all the emails and stuff. You ready to close it out? Yep. All right, that's our show, episode 97. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming Thanks, Lisa. on, Lisa. Thanks for having did me. Did you enjoy it? I did. Lisa, you liked getting all the attention from the chat room. <laughs> yes, all these anonymous people just writing things randomly about me. Want to date Lisa? <laughs> 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 uh, 
maybe it's something. Mean, my roommate's coming on soon, I've heard, so. Yeah, did you mention that? No, I didn't. I, uh, no, she just got back from town from okay. vacation last I'm going to ask Jorah if she might want to come on, too. She'll totally do it. So, everybody, our 100th episode's coming up, and we have a few surprises. Just little surprises coming up in celebration. One of those is this awesome t-shirt, because, you know, I've been talking about t-shirts for a while. Well, uh, this listener and new friend, Mark Manfrey, wrote in, and he was very enthusiastic about helping us with that, and he made a, a really cool t-shirt design. Um, he, he belongs to this um, outfit called Vevra Creative Studios, which you can find at vevracs.com. Zevra, sorry, Z-E-V-R-A-C-S.com. And uh, I'm really excited to debut this shirt. Um, we may even have um, multiple shirts. They'll be available on our, sh- on our site when we publish episode 100. So uh, I'm excited for you guys to see it. Oh, I can't wait. Um, if you haven't already, don't forget to go to audiblepodcast.com slash deadcast for your free audiobook. Uh, this is like a trial period for us in Audible, and if enough of you guys sign up, then they'll keep sponsoring us. So I want to impress them. So if you've been thinking about it at all, then now's the time. Um, this is a this is kind of a crazy note, but if you're still having trouble downloading or playing our podcast, but you somehow managed to get a hold of this one, like you went to our site and you're listening to it from there or something, please email support at libsyn.com. That's support at libsyn.com. I told them that people have been having problems and, um, Finally, I said, hey, I'm going to have to go with a different host if we don't get this fixed. And they said, oh, we'll just have people email us directly, which I thought was really gracious of them. So if you're having any problems at all, please email them and see if this, you know, we can get this figured out. And let me know if you do that and, and they help you. Uh, meantime, if you'd like to leave us a message, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at walkingdeadcast.com. You can check out our website at walkingdeadcast.com and don't forget to click through our Amazon link or just go to walkingdeadcast.com slash Amazon whenever you shop at amazon.com. If you're looking for an excuse to finally buy that iPad, here it is. (laughs) (laughs) We're also on Twitter at Jason and Karen, on Tumblr at walkingdeadcast.tumblr.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash deadcast. Facebook is a lot of fun. It's getting more and more people on there. Lots of good conversations. I recommend it if you're not on there yet. Uh, next episode, Norman Reedus. Stay tuned. Woo! All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, Don't get it. Lisa, Lisa Burger. Burger. Ah!